0: I love preaching. Um, as a kid, uh, you know, I I loved to hunt and loved to fish. I still do to an extent. Uh, those were things that were fun to me. And uh, I used to watch my dad preach or my grandfather preach, uh, which, by the way, today's his birthday. I think he's 86. He usually tunes in, so happy birthday to Pop Paul! Um, but uh, as the Lord called us to preach, uh, when I was 15, I began to realize just how fun it was to get in the Word of God and to preach. And I enjoy preaching. I look forward to preaching, and I often use the term. I'm excited about the message today, and I'm always excited about the message. It's, it's a blessing to be able to go to your heart and ask God. to to give you what he once preached, and that's what we preach here. We just preach what God says preach, and uh, sometimes we enjoy it, sometimes we like it, sometimes we don't, but we're just going to preach what God says preach. I tell folks all the time, uh, they'll say, that was a good message. I said, well, just thank the Lord. I'm kind of like the Domino's delivery guy. I don't cook it. I just deliver it, and if you like it, thank the cook, and if you don't like it, you tell the cook, all right? You don't have to tell me uh, how how bad it was. Uh, I assure you, I know how bad it is sometimes, and uh, other folks remind me of that as well. Well, but uh, today I can tell you, honestly, I'm not as excited about the topic we're going to be preaching on today uh, because it is a very very difficult topic, and it's one that I think we would all naturally be hesitant about speaking on and want to avoid. Uh, I am not a flashy preacher to begin with, but we're going to be extra not flashy today, I'm, I try to be funny when I can and try to be lighthearted when I can, but today we're not going to be flashy, funny, or fast. You knew I was going to have three of them and you knew they were going to be alliterated, okay? So today we're not going to be flashy, funny, or fast uh, in the message because I believe what needs to be preached today and what God's given us to preach, we need to hear clearly without distraction. And so I want to encourage you to open your heart and to listen close to the entire message we're going to preach this morning. And I need you to stick with me as we'll be preaching, you, <clears throat> preaching to you from the Word of God, and I believe the topic we'll be preaching on this morning is needed right now, right now in the United States of America, and so it's something I necessarily was not excited about, uh, but you do what God says, right? And that's what we're going to do this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look down at verse 15. <clears throat> the Bible says, see that none render evil for evil. Unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. I love the grocery list here. Verse 17, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings or preachings, what we're speaking of there. Verse 21, prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from from all appearance of evil. The very God of peace sanctified you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there and let's pray. I'm going to encourage you to pray right now and ask the Lord to give us what we need today and let's be willing to receive it. Father, thank you for this opportunity. And, Lord, I have no doubt this is what you'd have us to preach. Father, it can be prickly at times saying what you'd have us to say. And so I pray for peace. I pray for utterance. I pray for liberty to say exactly what you'd have me to say. And, Lord, very importantly today, I ask for help in saying what needs to be said and how it needs to be said. And then, Lord, for those, Lord, listening, help us receive your word exactly the way you're sending it to us today. And Lord, help us be obedient to it. I pray for the invitation time that you would work a work in our hearts, that way you could work through this church in the world we're living in today. And I thank you and I trust you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, all of us woke up to a deeply divided nation. Uh, As I mentioned, I'm only 40 years old, uh, but I would dare say this is probably the most divided that I have ever seen our country in my lifetime. Some of you that are older may have seen it uh, more divided at times, but in my lifetime, this is probably the most divided it's ever been, and it's quite frightening. To use the term the United States of America this morning almost really seems like a hope, doesn't it, rather than a reality. I wish we were the United States of America, but today we're not very united. We are very divided, and uh, I hope that we can become united again and that this divisiveness will soon dissipate. But here's the problem this morning with division, whether it is political division, whether it's moral division, philosophical division, or even the racial division that we're seeing in our country right now. The problem with division is division usually gives way to more division. You have a small amount of division and that division continues to begin to grow and allows it to become greater and greater. And I'll illustrate that for you this morning with a bag of M&M's. I think I have a picture of a bag I'll show you right quick. It's something we're all familiar with. Some of us probably more familiar with than we need to be. And if you'll notice on the top right of that M&M's bag, you're going to see these little white dots on the edges of the top right and the top left of that bag. And usually there's a little wording there that says, tear here. And there's usually just a small slice in the edge of that bag of M&M's or whatever your favorite. Now they have those new caramel ones. Have you had those? Oh, my soul. Those are delicious. My wife likes that hazelnut. I'm not too much into the Nutella stuff, but I like the caramel. And anyway, on the bags, you know, they have that little tear here spot. And that perforation, you know what that perforation is? That perforation is a divided place in the bag. And it is there so that you grab there and that small perforation, you begin pulling on that and it creates a larger division in the bag. Are you with me this morning? The small division that's there gives way to an even greater division. Now, the difference in M&Ms and what's going on in our country today is that division in that bag is a good division. It is an intended division. You know, not all divisions are bad. There are some divisions that are good things, i.e. in the bag of M&Ms. That little division leads to a great division, which leads to a whole bag. You notice I picked the family size because you just can't get by with those little bags anymore. You know, you got to have a family size, and family size just means for me because I can enjoy a whole bag on my own. But there are good divisions. The Word of God teaches us about many good divisions that are there, and I'll give you just a few right quick. Ephesians 5.11, the Bible says, Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. What is the Bible telling us? That we separate from unfruitful works of darkness. That's a division. That's a good division. You need to be divided away from unfruitful works of darkness. It's not going to be good for you, all right? The difference and an intended division and an unintended division is an intended division, a good division, will always lead to something better. God says be divided from unfruitful works of darkness, and that's going to lead to a better Christian life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the Bible tells us to withdraw from a brother who's walking disorderly. Withdrawal, that's a separation or a division from something disorderly. Why? God wants us to have a better life, and you can't have a better life when you're not when you're fellowshipping with things that are not better. So God says there's intended divisions we should have in our Christian life. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. So we are to be divided from things that are not pleasing to God. And those intended divisions from God lead us to something better, like the M&M's. But not all divisions are intended, and not all divisions are good. Matter of fact, there are many unintended divisions, and if intended divisions lead to something better, then unintended divisions lead to things that are worse. And unintended divisions will lead to destruction. Destruction. Jesus himself said a house divided against itself cannot stand. That unintended division, homes and houses, they were not made to be divided. And when they are divided, what does the Bible say? They cannot stand or unintended divisions lead to destructions. I'll give you a couple of examples. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be fast today. Uh, this, This deserves all the attention that God wants us to pay to it this morning. And we need to hear this today. And I'm going to preach exactly what God said. I'm going to do my best to say it exactly the way God wants us to say it. So I just need you to buckle up and hang on, all right? I'm going to try to walk through this. I'm not going to try to holler at you or preach at you. I want to share with you what God put on our heart today. John 15:5, the Bible tells us, if you read John 15, you'll find the word abide mentioned over and over and over again. The Bible says in John fifteen five, I am the branch, and ye I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, what does that mean? Who stays with me, connected or attached? The Bible says, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You see, we were never intended to be separated or divided from our Father. That was never intended. God wants us to grow and to produce fruit, and God says, you've got to stick with me in order that to happen. As a matter of fact, verse 4 of John 15, the Bible says that we cannot bear fruit of ourself. That when we are divided or separated from God, that division, that unintended division, we become fruitless and we no longer grow. That's an unintended division. Philippians 4.13, the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ. I can through Christ. That means God intended the Christian life to be lived through Christ. He never intended for us to try the Christian life separated from Christ. You cannot do it. I can through Christ. And therefore, there are necessary or intentional divisions. And then there are unnecessary and unintended divisions. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. I believe that the unintended divisions lead to destruction. And I believe in our country this morning, much of what's ripping our country apart are unintended divisions. They are not divisions that were outlined or are outlined by the word of God. Now let me tell you something. If you think that socialism is the way to go in America, we got problems, me and you do personally, okay? Okay. We could debate that till the cows come home. I'm going to go ahead and ask my wife. I am stubborn and hard-headed. You're not going to convince me of that. If you tell me that I have to support or uh, perform homosexual marriages, we got a problem. We're going to debate on that. And we're going to debate until the cows come home and the Lord comes back one. I don't know which one's coming first. I kind of got my money on the Lord, all right? Because it's looking like he's going to be back any day now. If you tell me I can't preach out of this book, we got a problem, and we're going to argue about that. But there's some debates we should not be having in this country this morning. There are some debates within the realms of God's people that we should not be having this morning. And I want you to understand, hear me out. I'm going to give you scripture this morning because we need to hear from the Word of God. I'm not going to give you my opinion. Loving your neighbor is not up for debate. That's settled. That's settled. The word of God settles that we love our neighbor as ourself. The Bible tells us to do good unto all men. The Bible says especially those of the household of faith. But unto all men we love our neighbor. We do good unto all men. Be ye what? Kind to one another. Can I tell you this morning, that's not up for debate. That's been settled in the word of God. Now, hear me out. We're talking to the church this morning. We're going to talk to saved people 99% of the message today. God's people are debating things this morning that I believe are totally ungodly. Because there's a lot of matters this morning that we're trying to decide which side we're on, which our side has already been decided by our Father, who bought and paid for us, and who decides what side we're going to be on. Now, folks, this morning, I believe the problem that's facing our country is we're allowing the extremes to tell us we've got to pick a side. Are you on this side of the argument, or are you on that side of the argument? And I believe that's a false premise this morning, that we as the people of God must reject. Let me tell you why. I don't believe we need to pick a side. Because I believe once you take the stand you're supposed to to take, it automatically decides what side you're on. Folks, hear me out today. All right, I do a lot of counseling. Comes with the job, and sometimes I counsel husbands and wives, and it can be exciting in there. I'm going to get me one of those 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 referee shirts to wear, and I'm going to get me a yellow flag. Everyone's watching. I'm going to do that one day. Is there anything that says I can't? All right, deacons, we'll meet on that. If I was all right, I'm going to start throwing a flag in some of these meetings. You know, I'm going to start throwing a challenge flag to some of these statements that are made. Sometimes it's husband and a wife. Sometimes I've known the husband for a long time, and I just met his wife. Sometimes it'll be between preachers. I've actually had the opportunity to referee between preachers. That's fun. I didn't sign up for that. I just signed up to stand behind the pulpit and holler and spit on people. That's all I signed up for. But evidently, counseling comes along with the job. Here's what I tell people when we have counseling together. I said, I want you to know I'm not here to take a side. I'm here to stand on what is right and what is true. And I stand on what's right and I stand on what is true. That automatically determines my side. Now, sometimes that means I get to be on the side of my friend. Sometimes that means I have to stand against a friend. But no matter what... I have to stand on truth. And this morning, if we would take the right stand on truth, you wouldn't have to debate about what side you're on and all the division that's going on in America. This morning, I'm going to preach or teach. I'm not going to try to holler at you. I want you to hear what I have to say today. I want to preach on the subject of taking a stand instead of a side. Taking a stand instead of a side. You see, when you choose to stand on truth your side is automatically chosen for you. You don't have to worry about picking a side because you're going to stand on truth. But as soon as you walk away from truth, well, now you've taken a side. And I think a lot of God's people are on the wrong side of all the division. I'm talking about both sides of this in our country today. So here's what I want you to see. This morning, I want to show you how your stand will determine your side. Your stand will determine your side. I'm going to show you three stands that every Christian is called to today. And I hope that will help us bring healing in our country through what God teaches us in First Thessalonians chapter five. Look down to verse 15. The Bible says, "See that none render evil for evil." Now why do you reckon God had that put in His word? See that none render evil for evil. You know, most of the time I read the word of God and God tells me not to do something, I usually go along with it and accept the fact that if God's telling me not to do something, it probably means I'm going to be prone to do that. Is that, you, you with me there? All right. You know, God tells me to be kind. It usually means I have a tendency not to be kind, and boy, do I. God tells me to be patient. Usually it means I might just so happen get behind one of you going slow in the fast lane. And I have a temptation not to be patient. God tells us here, see that none render evil for evil. You see, there's a natural tendency to allow what others do to determine what you do. And God told Paul in his word, I want you to write this down, Paul. And the church at Thessalonica needs to know this. This was a young church, and he was grounding this young church in truth and preparing them for the coming of the Lord. And in order to ground them, he says, I want you to know where you need to stand. Notice the first place that they're called to stand. Number one, we're called to stand on what is right. He says, don't render evil for evil. You do what's right. In spite of what everybody else is doing and all the sides that everybody else has taken, you just decide what you're going to do is you're going to do the right thing. That's what you're going to do. Everybody's trying to debate, do I side with this group and that group and politically and morally and racially and all of this in our country? Why don't we just decide that as the people of God, no matter what, we're going to stand on right. And if you're standing on right, you're always going to be on the right side. Isn't that good? We just stand, look, I'm not going to allow what's going on. I'm not going to render evil for evil. I'm not going to let what anybody else's do affect what I'm supposed to do because God, my Father, who bought and paid and purchased for me, says he wants me standing on what is right, not rendering evil for evil. This is where our Father tells us to stand. You know, the trump of God's going to sound one day. I think it's going to be very soon. I really do. I really do. I've actually even started thinking about spending my savings. You know, I've been saving up to build a house. And I'm thinking about just going to Hawaii or something. I don't want to leave all that money for the lost world. And I'm thinking, man, I'm trying to time this thing just right. All right, Lord, you're coming back. Yeah, let's just go to Hawaii. We just may leave Hawaii and go to Italy. And let's just go on to Ireland, everywhere else we wanted to go. I think he's coming back real soon. And when he comes back, can I tell you where you want to be standing? Not on your side. You want to be standing on what's right. Just do what's right. Just do what's right. That'll figure out a whole lot for you this morning. If we're going to decide as the people of God, listen, we're the light in this world. Or we're supposed to be. But we're distracted by deciding: do I, do I stand with this group? Do I stand? Can I tell you something right now? You cannot stand with one group all the time. It's impossible. It's impossible. Why? Because one group's not going to be right all the time. But right is right all the time. And if we decide, how do I react to what's going on in my country? i got two words for you. Just do right. Just do right. Let's do right by my neighbor. Do right by my friend. Why? Because that's what my father told me to do. And I am not my own. I don't have my own opinion. I don't get to decide. You know what? I think I want to stand on this side over here. No, I don't, have to, I don't get to stand on this side over here. I get to stand for what is right. Paul says, See that none render evil for evil. What does he say? Just do right. I have a 13 year old daughter. Most of the time, she's a pretty good kid. But uh, sometimes uh, we'll decide we're going to go on a trip, Leslie and I will, and we'll leave her with a family member, uh, usually a mom, uh, my mom and dad or her mom and dad. And uh, I don't give her a grocery list before we leave. All right, no smoking, no drinking, <clears throat> no graffiti. You uh, don't matter what football team they're for, no graffiti in their house, no rolling yards, you know, no, no, no playing with knives, no running with scissors. I don't do that. You know what I tell her? What do I tell her before we leave? Where's she at? Is she in here? There she is. Why aren't you sitting with your mother? She's all by herself, <clears throat> socially distancing. We're trying to set a good example of what we're trying to do. Socially distancing. The preacher's family's going to get it right. You know what I tell her before we leave? You ask her after the service. She'll tell you. We just tell her, do right. Just do right, Miley. What if if something comes on television I don't know what to do Just do right Isn't that neat You don't have to debate Oh am I going to be on this side If I'm on this side I got friends Oh I got to go back To this side over here Because I got friends over here Oh No look Why don't you just decide You're going to do right And you're going to do right By who Look at verse 15 See that none render evil For evil unto Any man Right doesn't see color Let's just hit it all right I've walked into a lot of bus saws, and I'd rather walk into a bus saw for the cause of Christ and the people of God. It's a disgrace this morning. And we got people on every side this morning. I don't know about Christians on both sides, and we're lobbing grenades at each other. Why don't we just decide, you know what? Instead of standing from my side and I'm going to stand over to this side, why don't we just decide as the people of God, we're going to do right. That's what we're going to do. No matter what, we're going to do right. Bob Jones Sr. had a quote. I think it was turned into the song. I don't think he wrote the song. And it sums it up. I'll read the words for you right quick. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there is no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. This ought to be our mantra. We're going to do what's right. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how you were raised, doesn't matter. We're just going to do right. You see, right is always right. And when you choose to stand on right, you're always on the right side. The people of God this morning, I, I fear it's disgraceful. It's just disgraceful. I, I almost said I told the early service, but I'm not going to say that, okay? There's an interesting story I read Uh, About, uh, I think it was an Admiral Phipps They were sitting off the coast of Quebec Uh, There was a war with France And uh, as they sat there offshore Waiting for the infantry infantry to arrive They looked up in the uh, hillsides of the city And they saw all of these statues Okay, and there were statues of saints From bygone era there And they hated those statues so much They said, while we are waiting on the other army to get here Why don't we start shooting at those statues And so they did. They started loading their cannons up, and they're shooting at all of the statues of the saints around the city. A few days later, a few weeks later, the backup arrived, and it was time to start the invasion. And when it came time to start the invasion, Admiral Phipps realized he was out of cannonballs. Do you know why? He had wasted all of his bullets shooting at the saints. Wasted all of his bullets shooting at the saints. And I see so many of God's people on both sides of all of the different divisions, political, all of them, and all these people were shooting at the saints instead of just doing right. Why don't we decide this morning, we're going to stand where our Father told us to stand, and we're just going to do right. James 4, 17, the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him but is sin. You know what that means? I'll just give you something really deep, okay? When you're doing wrong, you're not doing right. And It's sin. That's pretty emphatic, isn't it? He that know us to do good. Watch this. We know where we're supposed to stand. We're supposed to stand on what is right. He says, render not none render evil for evil. We do right. This carpet up here is our boundaries for the camera. Uh, early on, we were deciding when we started the live stream during the quarantine where we could be seen and where we could not be seen. You have no idea all the things that go on off this carpet, We got people sitting there, you know, their feet propped up on the pews and Cheetos and Coca-Colas and ping pong table over here in front of the offering. No, I'm picking. All right, don't get mad. Not really. But this carpet is the boundaries for which we stand in order to be on the camera. So if you don't want to be on the camera, you kind of step to the side just a little bit. It establishes our boundaries. Can I tell you something this morning that as a child of God, the confines of our convictions are established by what God says is right. We are not given leave of the carpet. God says, I want you always to be on the camera. I'm always watching. And you decide where you stand by the boundaries that our Father has set and the boundaries that he has set for his children is to simply do what is right. Let me tell you what's going to happen. We live in a flesh body and these things are very emotional. Um, my wife and I cried when a family on the game show the other day won a million dollars. They just had a hard time and had a tough life and difficulty they went through and all these things. And they won a million dollars. I was just so happy for them. And my daughter looks over and she says, are y'all crying? We're like, Oh, We were, we were crying. We're emotional. If you're not careful, you're gonna let this stuff move you off the carpet. I wanna tell you, the best thing that all of us could do is get off of this. Get off of Facebook, get off of social media. Why? You're going to watch something that stirs up your flesh, not your spirit, and it's going to move you off the carpet. You're going to see something on this phone that you don't like, or maybe that you don't even understand, and you're going to react to that. And you're like, I can't believe so-and-so did that, so I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to start lobbing grenades. But notice, in order to take a side, you had to step off of truth. You had to leave the stand for which our Father called us to stand, which is on truth. He says, none render evil for evil. So, folks, can I tell you something this morning? Number one, instead of taking a side, why don't we decide we're going to take a stand and we're going to stand on what is right. And we're going to do what is right. Why? Because that's what our Father would have us to do. Notice, if you will, go back to verse 15 real quickly. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good. Notice that. Ever follow that which is good. Here's what's interesting. Both right and good are defined by God. None of us have the capability to define right or good. Because we live in a flesh body. And so we watch something going over here on this side and say, that's not right. And so we come back over here and we start loading up our grenades. Or we say, you know what, we're over here. Man, that guy, that, that's not right. That's not right. So we come over to this side and we start throwing grenades. <whistles> right and good is defined by God. Do you know when Israel got in trouble? When they did that which was right in their own eyes. Be careful. Be careful letting the circumstances of our world get you away from what you know is right. You're supposed to do right. God never gives us leave to not do what's right. We are his people, and when he returns, we should be found standing upon right. But notice the second part. The Bible says, ever follow that which is what? Good. Number one, we're supposed to stand on what is right. Number two, we're supposed to stand for what is good. We're supposed to stand for what is good. He said, well, I just don't know in all this turmoil, this political, moral, and the racial division we have in our country right now, where am I supposed to stand? You're supposed to stand on what is right and for what is good. The Bible says, ever follow that which is good. You just decide, no matter what, no matter what's going on in our world, no matter how I feel, and buddy, that's going to be the battle right there. You live in this flesh body, and this flesh body is going to stir you to do something that you're going to have to leave the carpet to do. Then God says, no, you stand on what is right, and you stand for what is good. And if you can't do it on the carpet, then you can't do it. Because my stand is what's right, and my stand is what is good. And good is what is pleasing to God. Aren't you glad God's telling us this stuff? You know, I think all of us probably ask a teacher at some point in our life, Is this going to be on the test? You know? They're like, no, they just teach a bunch of useless information. That's why they do that, just to fill in the time until parents get off work. That's what we're really doing. Is this going to be on the test? We want to know. Is this something that I need to know? God told us everything we need to know. And yes, it's going to be on the test. But watch this. Right now we're taking the test. The trump of God sounds. That's when he grades it. And you're going to want to be found standing on what is right and standing on what is good, not based on our opinion, but what pleases the Lord. That's why in 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says that whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. Doing what's good and doing what's right is to the glory of God. Doing what I want and what I feel, that's to the glory of me. Can I tell you, there is no room in all for glory for me. Whatsoever I do, do all to the glory of God. There's no room for the glory for me. I can't leave the carpet. Do I want to at times? Absolutely. You people who go slow in the fast lanes, I'm just going to be honest with you. You better be glad the Lord gave us a carpet to stand on. Because there are times I don't want to do what's good or right. I want to honk at you. I I told Brother Patrick last night at the hospital. We were at the hospital with Brother Nick. Uh, to about midnight last night, and we're sitting out there talking, and somehow you slow drivers in the fast lane came up. And I told him, I said, I've got to do better calling people names. Now, they're not bad words, all right? Don't think I'd cuss at people. They're just not kind words. They're not Christ-like. They're not words I would hear Christ hollering at anybody. I said, I've got to do better with that because my daughter's watching me, and, you know, we've got kids in here this morning, so I don't even want to give them an idea what it is. But you don't want to do stuff like that. Why? Because my father's giving me a carpet to stand on. He's given me boundaries, a place to stand. I don't have to pick a side. I don't have to choose a side. Why? Because God's given me plenty of place to stand, and he's let me know exactly what pleases him and what displeases him. And if I have to leave the carpet of what is good and what is right to do it, then guess what? I cannot do it. I see all over our country today, there are, there are all, so many movements in our country, a lot of them. I mean, on every side, political movements. I mean, there's just movements everywhere. Can I just give you an, a, a, a bit of pastoral counsel? Beware of movements, all right? Movements oftentimes outlive their principles. Movements often outlive their principles. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. Look at the Salvation Army. I love the Salvation Army. I'm thankful for them. Uh, but the Salvation Army, you know what their, their principles used to be? I'll give you a second to think about it and I'll give it to you, salvation. That was their, and they've moved from, on from that. They're doing some good things, they're helping people, but they've moved on from their mission. You see, you have to be careful about movements and getting caught up in a movement because you might be following a movement that departs from its, its mission, and the mission was pure, the mission was right. Now, can I tell you this morning, it's like the YMCA. YMCA, you know how it started? It started to win people with the gospel and to help people get back up on their feet. That's what it was all about. Preachers were all in the family of the YMCA. But after over time, movements begin to naturally gravitate away from their mission. Now, watch, you don't have to worry about even which side or which movement to be a part of. You know what you decide? I'm gonna do what's good and I'm going to do what's right, whether or not I like it, whether or not I want to. This is what my father has demanded of me. By the way, that that does include no matter where you were raised. I hear the excuse oftentimes, well, we're raised in the South. I saw that in there, that's right. See that none render evil for evil unto any man unless you were raised in the South. Can I tell you, there's no room on the carpet for racism. There's no room up here for that. I would question your Christian credentials. If you dare try to take the word of God and show me that racism is something God includes on his carpet. That's a side you're going to have to take. But you're going to have to lead the truth of God's word. To take that stand. It's not in here. See, so how do you know? Because the Bible says for God so loved the world. Seems like everybody doesn't it? The Bible says verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good. Both among yourselves and to who? It's almost like. It's almost like he said that twice, didn't he? The Bible says, any man and all men. Can I tell you something about my God? I don't know about your God. My God's not a respecter of persons. Man, there's, there's room on the carpet for you. You know, the song, There's Room at the Cross for You. There's room here for everybody. But I'm going to tell you something God's not a respecter of persons. Neither should we be. Neither should we be. I mean, what on earth? Where on earth do we get the idea that we can be a respecter of someone because of something they had nothing to do with? So, what do you mean? You know, I didn't get to pick what color I was born, I didn't get to pick. And how on earth, how did, folks, I know, ooh, it's getting kind of uncomfortable. Look, we just got to preach the truth. This is what God says. The church has got to be the light in all of this. And yet the church, we got people on this side, we got people on this side, and they're lobbing grenades at the saints, and we're being distracted from the truth that we are supposed to stand upon, which is good and which is right. God's not a respecter of persons. And by the way, you better be thankful of that. Because if there's anybody he ought to squeeze out of the deal, it's us sinners, so number two this morning, we need to stand for what is good. The Bible says, ever follow that which is good. Be careful, be careful following this group and following that group. Follow, what does the Bible say? After that which is good. Acts ten thirty four. the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. The Bible says in verse 16 through verse 22, I want you to see a few things. How do you know that something is good and something is right? How do you know? Watch this. Verse 16, the Bible says rejoice evermore. He's about to show us how do we know if something's good and it's right. Rejoice evermore, that means joy. God wants us to be and to have joy. The Bible says that he wants our joy to be full that as long as you stand on truth and right, you can rejoice evermore and have joy and your joy can be full. But watch what's gonna happen. You're gonna let your flesh get stirred up by something you saw on the news that you didn't like and you're gonna decide to come over here to start throwing grenades at somebody over there. And you just left truth, and you just lost your joy. It's going to cost you your joy. You're not going to be able to rejoice evermore. So let me tell you something. My joy is worth whatever it takes to stay on this carpet. The older I get, the more I like peace of mind. Don't you? I told you the other day, I'm beginning to enjoy looking at flowers. It's getting bad. Before long, I'm going to be a bird watcher. I just know it's coming. I'm going to be a bird watcher. I'm going to have the hat and the binoculars and everything. I'm going to be a bird watcher. But the older I get, the more I enjoy peace of mind. And you know what? I just, instead of taking this side and taking that side, I think I'd just rather keep my joy. Oh, social media. It's so sad to see so many people that name the name of Christ. And boy, you just can't find any joy in our text. Where's the joy of the Lord? Which is supposed to be our what? Our strength. We have no strength because we have no joy. We have no joy because we decide we're going to take a side instead of take a stand. God says, I want you to rejoice evermore. If it's going to cost you your joy, don't leave the carpet. Pray without ceasing. I like this one. Before we go take a side, why don't we pray about it? Let me tell you what I'm going to do. You know what you ought to do? We ought to acknowledge him in all our ways and let him direct our paths. And he'll direct us upon truth and what is good and what is right. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. You leave this carpet, you're going to have to quench the spirit to do it. You're going to have to quench the spirit to do it. Keep reading. Despise not prophesying. That's preaching. That's the word of God. You're going to have to defy the word of God to take a side. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Can I tell you, standing on what is true and what is good and what is right, you're going to have to fight to stay there. Notice, notice the words Hold fast. Hold fast. You're going to have to hang on because you're going to have the cares of this life, the emotions of the flesh, the preferences, and, yes, even prejudices of your heart are going to try to drag you away from this. That's why the Bible says you better hold fast. I did tell the early group there's nothing wrong with having preferences. You can prefer a ball team over one or the other. and uh, I'll tell you, it's not that big a deal to me anymore, to be honest with you. Because that's not something that ought to divide the people of God. I'm just being being flat honest. You can have preferences, but be careful. Don't allow your preferences to become a prejudice. That's the natural course. And we excuse our wrongs. The Bible says, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. How do I know if it's good and if it's right and it's true? How do I know? If you go to be on this side or that side, are you going to give the appearance of evil? Notice the checklist. He's giving us a checklist of how we know. If I can't do it, that's like uh, uh, several years ago, we were at a Cracker Barrel, and uh, my daughter ordered a root beer. She loves cream soda. The closest thing had was a root beer, and it was the Stewart's. Do you know the Stewart's uh, root beer? It comes in a brown bottle. And uh, she had never had one before. That lady comes over, puts it on the table. She flushed every color of red and pink on the rainbow. And she's just kind of recoiling. Why? She didn't know it was root beer. She was thinking, oh my goodness, they got them. By the way, did you hear Cracker Barrel's considering selling alcohol? Y'all gotta let your voice be heard. you got to get your voice out there. Don't complain about it. Tell somebody that matters. She's worried. Why? Because it looks like a beer bottle, does it not? Let's just be honest. It looks like a beer bottle, okay? When we were kids, mom and dad didn't let us uh, have those, those fake cigarette candies. You know, <laughs> what a horrible idea. It's about politically correct. Why? I don't see how that got past the politically correct police, but it's the appearance. You know what? There are things right about this side, and there's things right about this side. My wife and I decided when we got married, we were going to do our best. I told Brother Timothy this earlier. I know you probably haven't got any marriage advice, so I gave them some. My wife and I try not to use the words, we decided this early in our marriage, always and never. Thanks, great advice. Well, you always do this, or you never do this, and that's usually not true, okay? If one side was always and one side was never, well, then it might be easier to pick a side, but that's not the truth. This side is not always right, and this side is not never right. Excuse the double negatives. This side is not never right either. It's not that way. One side's gonna be right sometimes. The other side's gonna be right sometimes. You say, well, where do I stand? You stand on what is true. You stand on what is good. That's where you stand, and when you're standing on what is right, you're always on the right side ends the debate. God makes it easy for us. The Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. If you have to do that in order to take a side, then you can't take that side. Now watch what happens in verse 23. I'll give you this, and I'm going to hurry. The Bible says, in the very God, notice the word and, he's giving us a conclusion about the stands for what is right and what is good. The conclusion is this, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Do you know what the word sanctify means? It means set apart. A lot of what's going on in our country today, God's people ought to be set apart from this. We ought to be taking the right stand, saying the right things, and standing for what is good. That's what we ought to do. Instead of saying what's wrong with this side and what's wrong with that side, and there's wrong on both. We ought to be standing for what's right and what's good. That's what a sanctified position is. I'm set apart. I'm set apart. Now watch what happens. The Bible says, I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, we see the last stand. It's the place you want to be standing when the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Number three, notice the word blameless there. Our stand should be to stand blameless. Stand to be blameless. What does blameless mean? Blameless means no cause for censure or accusation. No cause for censure or accusation. That means the stand that we take, we should give the world no cause for accusation to blaspheme the name of God. All right? Now listen close. Remember when David sinned with Bathsheba, what did Nathan the prophet tell him? You have given the enemies of God great opportunity to blaspheme. And how sad it is, how sad it is that so many of us who name the name of God take a side. And it gives great opportunity to blaspheme in the name of God. Our spirit, our attitude, our words, our prejudices on both sides of this thing are doing nothing for the cause of Christ. They're working against the cause of Christ. And the devil sits back, and I know he's got to laugh because he's distracted us with division. He's brilliant. He's had 6,000 years of practice. He's brilliant. He's gotten us busy figuring out which side we're on. I'm on this side, or I'm on this side, and we're neglecting to stand on the truth. What does the Bible say about being blameless? The Bible says that our spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. There are sides of the, all the arguments in our country. And listen, it's not just a racial argument, it's political, it's moral, it's philosophical. I mean, there's a lot of divides that are out there today. And here's what I want to ask you something. In your side that you're taking, or we're taking, is your spirit blameless? Our spirit tells on us. Our spirit tells on us. I'll be honest with you. So many of you on our social media today, uh, and boy, I'm, listen, I'm tempted to the same thing. So much on our social media today tells on us by our spirit. We don't have a blameless spirit. We have a condemning spirit. We have a bitter spirit or an angry spirit. God says, I want my people's spirit to be preserved blameless. That means, listen, your spirit should not give the enemies of God opportunity to blaspheme the name of God. Our spirit should be a ble- What is our spirit? I looked it up because I'm not smart enough to know the, know the definition. Here's what spirit means. The power by which man feels, thinks, and decides. The power by which we feel, we think, and we decide, that should be blameless. The way we think should be blameless. What we decide should be blameless. You know what the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says that we give none offense, no offense. Don't give offense. Why? That the ministry be not blamed. Paul said, let's not give anybody a reason to blame the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not say anything, let's not do anything, let's not act any way that's going to throw shade on the name of Christ. You know the word offense, I remember preaching years ago when I was a teenager, the word offense is the same word offense. Think about it, you know offense is when you have the ball, when you're running with the ball. Some of you watched from the bench, but you saw the other guy run with the ball from time to time. All right, when you have the ball, you're on offense. You have to, man, you're running that ball, you're trying to score, right? But when you fumbled the ball, you know what you did? You gave offense. You gave them the ball. And man, how sad it is to see so many Christians all over this land. And folks, I'm sure we're all guilty. I'm sure we're all guilty. Our spirits, whether in public, you you know, my wife and I were talking about this earlier Do you know, even though it's on a a digital platform, social media, uh, it's still our stand. Even though it's digital, we're showing where we stand. We're showing our spirit. And how this world needs right now for God's people to be God's people, to have a blameless spirit. Can I tell you something? You don't have to agree with everything on this side. You don't have to agree with everything on this side. And I want to tell you, there's right and there's wrong on every side. But you can know that you're on the right side when you choose to stand on what is right, what is good, and stand that we might be blameless. Can I give you one more incentive real quickly before we close on why you should stand on what is right, what is good, and stand to be blameless? Look at the end of verse 23. That you be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know when he's coming, but I believe it's soon. It's soon. I believe it soon. If I had to wager, I'd wager that I'll see it in my lifetime. If not in my lifetime, I would just about guarantee my daughter will see it in her lifetime. I just, I just, everything's lining up. It's all lining up according to the Word of God. It's almost unfolding like a literal illustration right in front of our eyes. So he's coming back, all right? We know that. He's coming back. And can I tell you where you want to be when he comes back? Not on this side. Not on that side, but standing on what's good, what's right, what is blameless. That's where you want him to find you. I told you before, my dad would work in Jackson or Natchez when I was a kid. And usually leave would some chores to do. And uh, I think it'd be a great idea, by the way, for all of our kids to learn some chores. As you can tell, it ruined my life having work to do as a kid. The Bible says it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. And uh, sometimes I would lollygag We had two ponds on our property, and I would decide I want to go fishing or swimming in the pond. And would have my work done in time, and Dad had an 86F150. I could hear it when Dad came around the curve, and he would go from fourth gear up to third because he had slowed down to cross the railroad tracks. When Dad would cross those railroad tracks, his toolbox would jump in the back of his truck. I mean, I had it like clockwork. He would make the turn to come up the hill on Myers Lane. There was pea gravel in the road and you could hear the rocks crunch underneath the tires of his truck. You got about 30 seconds at the pea gravel. He would go from the asphalt pavement to the dirt road and the toolbox would jump again. About 15 seconds is what you got then. By then, it's really too late to do what you're supposed to do. And he'd pull up and you just got that smile on your face. How are you? You're kind of like Saul when Samuel comes up. I did everything you told me. And you know you didn't. And man, your neck's getting hot and you're like, how can I talk my way out of this one? But you knew he caught you. Not having done what you were supposed to do. Now folks, I believe our father is going to find us. And we're going to be on the side of what we wanted or what we felt or what we liked. We're going to be on the side of what we grew up under and how we've always thought because of where we were raised. And our Father is going to find us on a side rather than taking a stand. And oh, how it will grieve our hearts that we were not found faithful to what is good, to what is right, and that we were not found blameless. Folks, he's giving us a heads up that he's coming. He told it to us, and he's showing it to us. And right now, in the greatest hour of need in our country, we're too busy trying to figure out which side to take instead of which stand we should take. If you stand for what's good, and you stand for what's right, and you stand to be blameless, you're going to be on the right side. I told the early service about a story I read that, boy, it really moved my heart, and I'm done. After World War II, something amazing happened amongst, amongst religious people. What Hitler had done was Hitler tried to consolidate the religions into one so that he could control them. Keep an eye on that one, all right, in our country that we're living in. And some in the religious uh, groups decided, yes, they're going to go along with what he said, and life was easy. But those who pushed back against that, he took them and put them in a concentration camp. Some were tortured, some even died, but some would survive that. After the war was over, those religious groups tried to come back together for fellowship. But there was a division. There was bitterness because this group stood for what was right, and this group decided to compromise, and this group had bitterness against that group, and there was just not unity of spirit because one group held something against the other group and vice versa. So the church leaders decided something needed to be done, and I want to read for you an excerpt of what happened. Leaders from each group met at a quiet retreat. For several days each person spent time in prayer, examining his own heart in the light of Christ's commands. Notice what they did. They did not spend time figuring out where this side was right and this side was wrong. The Bible, the the story goes on to tell us that they examined themselves. They came together, and this was the report, after many days in solitary, quiet time with God. They asked, What did you do then? The report was this, and I quote, We were just one. As they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. When love prevails amongst believers, especially in times of disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Christ. What did they do? Instead of telling everybody where they should stand, they just got where they were supposed to stand. And they found common ground on the truth of what God says is true and what God says is right. Folks, this morning, our country needs us today. It needs us more than ever before. And God's people have got to lead the way. There's some things we'll disagree on that we will never see eye to eye on. We talked about those earlier. But the things that God has already decided, there's no need to debate on. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We be ye kind one to another. We do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. God's already decided that. That's where we're supposed to be standing. And if we'll just stand there, then we'll see God work through the church and not the church working against the cause of Christ. Heads are bowed and eyes.